time for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolis. You can find our group on Facebook, but we're also on pinballprofile.com. That's where you can find your podcast feed and all past episodes as well. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at pinballprofile. Email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com. It's a pleasure to be talking to a woman I haven't seen in quite some time, but then again, you know, none of us have really seen anybody, but I did last see her at Kleepin in the fall last year, and it was great to talk to, once again, your reigning whipped champion, Holly Koskinen joins us right now. Hey, Holly, how are you? Hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm great, and it's a pleasure to be talking to you again. As mentioned, saw you at Kleepin, and uh, it was nice to see you in such great spirits there, you know had to be very euphoric uh, winning that whipped championship and then you know people like myself coming up to you at this major stern pro circuit event saying hey congrats and and you were you were glowing that day i remember that that day is still <laughs> something where i have to convince myself i'm like no this is not a figment of your imagination yeah and that was crazy because it's like you came up to me and i'm like i don't know who this guy is he seems very nice and wants to talk to me but i'm like i really want to make sure these other women get their money <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it was uh, it was a good day. I wish there was Pinburg this year for a lot of reasons, but uh, I know you yeah. do too, because there's going to be a big name on a banner that's going to be there forever. That's pretty cool. I know. I was really, you know, I was really looking forward to, you know, coming back from Denver and and you know just kind of like getting into it again, you know, and, and getting ready. For the season, obviously, I think everybody was kind of in that boat mentally, and you know, it was not even like a week or two after we got back, things things went amiss. And uh, yeah, I've definitely missed it. It has definitely made me heavily consider getting a machine. <laughs> I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine there's a lot of people in your shoes, uh, maybe even the majority that are really looking forward to having a machine just because there is that void right now, let alone competition, but just to get their hands on a machine, it's important. But we are seeing things open up again. And, you know, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Columbus, Ohio, and the many leagues that are there. It's a real hotbed for pinball. And when you won, I just remember at Replay FX, seeing a lot of different people that I knew from the Ohio area going, yeah, we're not surprised about Holly winning this, you know, lights out. And just to recall, for those that don't remember, <laughs> you were winning on machines you had never played before. Yeah, that was, um, gosh, even sitting here talking about this with you, like my hands, I'm like sitting here, like touching my hands, already like getting clammy. Uh <laughs> But yeah, like uh, when I when I got up there, when they actually went and moved us on stage for like that, uh, what was it like that semi, kind of semi-final round? Yeah, I had never played Solar Ride. I had not seen Wonka up until that point, and for the love of God, I could not <laughs> figure out that Gobstopper. So little lessons learned there. But um, I'm trying to think what else. There was another machine that was up there that was an old EM. But I, I don't remember what that was called, but I never played that before either. And then, of course, I never played Spanish Eyes. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually I am actually keeping my eyes peeled for one of those and one that's one that's working and all that jazz. It was Spanish Eyes. I definitely remember because that was a clinic. <laughs> Thank you. So so I've heard <laughs> it's an enjoyable game, but it, it was one of those things that, you know, I feel my old athletic background really kind of really lended me a hand there with trying to be able to control my thoughts, control my emotions, control my, you know, my nerves, um, and just 
really try to allow myself to sit in and sit with the kind of discomfort that I was in and say, okay, like we, we just got to do this. And, and we've got like basically one, you get like one ba- maybe bad ball to like figure out this game or to try to get a handle on it to where you feel like you can play it. And then since I didn't really know the game, you know, it went back to a very primitive form of pinball of like, just keep the ball up. <laughs> Not a bad idea when you don't know the game though. It, that was pretty much my only tactic I had, so it, it wasn't a it wasn't a lot in the arsenal. <laughs> what was in the arsenal, and you alluded to it a little bit, was your athletic background. So you're used to competing at high levels. A lot of people, when they get on that big stage or they make it to a final in pinball event, the nerves really kick in. And you said that wasn't a factor at all. It's more after the fact. Yeah, after the fact, it was one of those kind of like taken back holy pete moments like this this happened right and um all four girls like priyanka and carrie and rachel all four of us were really up there duking it out to the best of our abilities and i knew that rachel was going to be tough to beat you know i hadn't met her up until that time but i heard that she was a very good player and when she happened to tilt i i literally sat on the couch and i was like holy crap i i won (laughs) And that could have all shaken out so you know so many different ways. Obviously, you know uh, Priyanka and, and and Carrie are both phenomenal players too. So to be up there with that kind of caliber of people for my kind of first Pinburg go, it was uh, it was very humbling. Yeah, pretty good debut, I'd say at Pinburg for sure. <laughs> Thank you. What makes Whip so tough? 128 women going at it was that the playoff schedule is a little different because of time limitations, and you really have to be once you get to the playoffs, which is not an easy task. You have to be the best. It's only going to work out for one person. In this case, you, Holly. I, I was glad. I was glad to take it home and and represent the group. You know, there were a lot of folks who who stuck around to cheer me on, or people were listening in their car, and you know while they were driving back from, from Pinburg and I just really have appreciated all the, the love and support from everybody near and far that are not only from my state, but people like yourself and everyone else. So it's been really nice, and uh, you know there, there is part of me that's <laughs> grateful that I've got another year to practice to defend my title, I guess. <laughs> You get to be a champ for an extra year. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we, you know, we got we got to skip year. We'll have to figure out like you know what to what to put in the fill gap spot. You know, maybe something something funny like we'll you know maybe put like Wonder Woman in or something. But uh, you know, we'll we'll figure out something to put in the in the middle there in between the years. Not just you know hopefully two dashes where it's like oh, we're just or we may not even just list that year. Let's just skip over it. Let's <laughs> just fast forward through this and be done. Escher's been the Papa champ since 2017, so you're allowed to have at least one extra year. That's fine. Okay, good. Good. Good to know. Thanks, Jeff. (laughs) It's one of the reasons I named you as the Pinball Profile Top 10 Most Intriguing People of 2019. Your story fascinated me, and there was a different side to your story, too. And you're very, very active on social media, and you posted an emotional video, something I had no idea which I was going to watch but you discussed your struggle and diagnosis with Lyme disease. That came out of nowhere. I mean, you knew you weren't feeling well, but to get that diagnosis, as you explained in your video, I mean, a life changer for sure. Yeah, it's it's something that definitely uh, will even still choke me up now when I, when I think about it. It was just, I, I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time 
like I said to you earlier before we kind of started the show that, you know, I kind of had a, a rough go in my 20s, just kind of like normal life growing up pains and getting out of the 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 younger level naivety. I, I, I kind of grew up where my parents weren't like helicopter parents, but I was definitely kept in a in a bubble. So kind of getting out of that naivety, becoming becoming a full-fledged adult, right, and then going through breakups and all that other hoopla that we all go through. But I finally had gotten to the point where I had turned 30, and I thought, all right, all my 30s are going to be my jam. And two months later, that's when my health took started to take a turn, and I spent the next six years of my life trying to figure out what was wrong. I had doctors tell me almost verbatim that I should go get my head examined because having all these physical symptoms w- was not in actuality a possibility. It was just it was just a lot to deal with knowing that something, that multiple things, I kept saying multiple things are wrong, multiple things are wrong. And I had only two physicians believe me and stand by me with what, what I was saying and back me up. And that meant so much. When you say there were only two that kind of gave you that support and were really listening to you. Yeah. Were the others thinking, oh, she's a hypochondriac. This is, you know, in her head. Yep. This is whatever the case may be. Yep. And obviously that's not the case. It makes me wonder why there was any if distrust by the others or lack of figuring out, hey, this might be Lyme disease. What makes Lyme disease so difficult to diagnose? Because Lyme, Lyme is what is known as the great imitator. So Lyme can present neurological problems. It can present arthritic problems. It can present like MS. It can, you know, plenty of people get misdiagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. I think the actor's name is Chris Christofferson, but he was actually misdiagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and they came to find out that he had Lyme. So, you know, you can have memory loss, you can have cognitive function problems. Like I've had uh, speech problems. It's just everything. And Lyme likes to go into places in the body where there's already existing inflammation because it makes it a good hiding spot. So I already had like different things happening with my gut health that were not not in place. And, and so I was trying to figure that out. And, and previously, you know, later on, I came to find out that I also was exposed to mold. So mold, mold and Lyme seem to go hand in hand and they, they both kind of activate one another and if you don't clear mold you will not clear lime as far as from what I've I've read so it, it's been a definite interesting journey like I actually had discovered there's a, a thing called a VCS test and it tests your visual contrast to see if you've been exposed to biotoxin illness and I had happened to find that a long time ago like very early on in my journey and I thought well shoot, it's like 15 bucks. Like I'll, I'll take this test. It's online and you have to sit a certain distance away from your computer and, and do this, this visual test. And you're shown basically like a bunch of different images and eventually it, you know, lowers the, the contrast to see like how well you can see. And I had passed it the first time, despite it saying, okay, well, you kind of have some symptoms here. Well, I took the test again I had to take the test again recently before I had seen my um, Lyme physician for the first time back in October, and I had failed that test at that point. So lots of things that I had never thought in my wildest dreams that I would learn, but here we are, and you know I've been treating since around six months now, 
And, uh, yeah. you know, definitely, definitely starting to see some improvements, like cognitive function wise, like I'm much more kind of on the ball, you know, not so much of a, a you know, like I would have a lot of like word recall problems mm-hmm. or I would be really kind of spacey within conversation and personality. Uh, Lyme can also cause depression. So I've been suffering with depression for the last several years as well. So I'm starting to see some of that lift at some point, which is a huge gift. So I'm I'm very, very grateful. But yeah, I used to spend like three, four hours a night just like endlessly rabbit holing until I got tired and went to bed. That was my that was what I would do. Boy, lots of time lost, you know, and it got to the point where I essentially lost my identity. But Holly, in hearing your story and seeing the months that have happened since, I don't know if I know a bigger warrior than yourself. And it's the reason I wanted to contact you. Thank you. Because whether or not you realize it, there are others in your situation and there are others that struggle with Lyme disease, with being in the rabbit hole, as you say. Yep. And you offer a solution and a light at the end of the tunnel that things will get better. Obviously, your life has changed significantly. Right. But you're a survivor. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's... And initially getting that diagnosis was scary because, you know, you do read a lot of things of like people have died from it. There are definitely more kind of rare instances of an immediate fatality. Usually that only occurs if Lyme gets into the heart and that's called Lyme carditis. And then that can be fatal. So another thing that I had was I ended up testing positive for Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So that was a very definitive confirmation that I had indeed gotten bit by a tick. That left untreated can also kill you. I at one point had, I guess, dang fever. At one point I had West Nile virus. So to say I'm still standing, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm obviously hopefully meant to still do something because I'm still here. You know, and I, I know to my friends, I, I probably sound like a broken record with this thing, but it, it's been funny. Like I've encountered people even in this short period of time frame where like even when I went to go get my blood drawn, like last Saturday, the the lady who took my blood, we got talking and, you know, happened to mention something about Lyme. And she was like, oh, she's like, you know, people thought I had that, too. And then I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And I was like, it was a huge red flag for me. And so, like, I, I just spent, you know, the next hour, you know, while she's sitting here doing the rest of my blood vials to have have a basic conversation with her and she ended up taking down my doctor's uh info so the testing unfortunately is is not foolproof it's it's not great i can go on and on for this obviously this is about pinball though so no it's about you holly and this is uh certainly a life changer for you but you can find out more information on great websites i know i've looked at the mayoclinic.org for symptoms and causes and i know you're a big fan of dr richard horowitz yes Dr. Horowitz is a prominent Lyme physician in, in upstate New York. Uh, Dr. Rawls, William Rawls is also outstanding. Um, Stephen Brunner is also huge in the community too, as he's a, a master herbalist. There's so many things that I, I've learned now about, like, I think a lot of people look at herbal remedies as kind of like, oh, they're a crock. And I'm like, or witch doctor kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's been interesting because that's been my main priority area of treatment. And I initially thought, too, I'm like, oh, I don't really know how well this is going to work. Cause my, my doctor, she had said, okay, well, you need to get up to like 20 drops of this stuff twice a day. She's like, most people have a hard time getting up to five. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's fine. And then one day out of a very stupid moment, I decided like, oh, well, let's just take 10 drops and see what happens. 
totally bad idea. I was at a pinball tournament. Actually, this was like way before all this COVID stuff. I was down in uh, Canal Street down in Dayton. They have an awesome, like, you know, small arcade, good machines, well-maintained, cute little bar, good food. And was down there, and I just got real tired. I was like, why do I feel like I need to take a three-hour, like, Gilligan's Island nap right now? I was like, I don't know what's going on. And, uh, you know, I ended up, like, losing a lot of my hand-eye coordination. Like, I just could not. My reflexes were gone. I was out of the tournament first. And then it finally dawned on me. I was like, oh, this is also why you're stuttering. You can't think right now. I was like, let's not do this ever again. <laughs> so you you live and you learn through these uh, processes, I guess. But, you know, there's fellow limey pinballers out there. I would love to meet you. So. And then, of course, you add on to the fact that here we are dealing with COVID-19. So I imagine that doesn't help someone like you in your situation. It doesn't help anybody. But what is COVID-19 meant for you? It's been challenging. I want to say, you know, I've been been very lucky enough to still have a job and still be still be working from home. Uh, we basically all switched over from working from home. I think one of the main things that really kind of caught me off guard was that in the very, very beginning when everything was on, on super, super lockdown of not being able to go anywhere. Like I can work from home, no problem. You know, I've done that before for like my freelance stuff. I did that when I was on my own for a while. That was cake. That was fine. You know, but then it was still like, oh, I, I, I can't go anywhere. You know, I, I can't see my friends, right? And so the whole the whole not being able to go anywhere thing was really starting to get to me at one point because I realized that I kind of had some un like kind of unresolved trauma from Lyme of when initially I had gotten sick and I was like literally physically too sick to go anywhere. Like I would have to use like the old people handle that was still in my shower. And that thing ended up saving my butt because I could not stand really long enough to shower without it. So it, it triggered something in me to say, oh, we're, we're really this sick again. This is why we can't leave. We're really this sick again. And that's what my, you know, was in my brain. And I'm like, no, that, that's not true. But I realized, okay, this is like unresolved emotional stuff that I, I have to deal with that I didn't deal with before. So it's like growing pains. It's like anything. It's just being aware of where your emotions come from and understanding their, their point of place and healing that. Here we are now several weeks into the coronavirus and restrictions everywhere. It may have been the craziest month I have ever seen in my life, and I'm hoping some good will come out of this. I know I've, again, watched your social media, and in Columbus, a lot of protesting has happened, certainly yes. looking for some changes to injustices. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, protesting many times results in change. So yes, I just think with the COVID-19 virus out there, this is such an important issue that people are willing to risk their health and their lives to see these kind of changes happen. And, you know, you're no different in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, if anything, if we've learned anything through through history, unfortunately, you know, it seems that America doesn't listen when you ask nicely. I mean, the stone Stonewall riots, you know, something that, that I feel I can speak to, right? Um, because I... You know, obviously, I'm I'm white. I, I don't want to speak for my friends of color and and what they're feeling right now. I know that it's it's been tough on them, 
I've checked in on several of them, and they're hurting, they're in pain. So I think it's just all of us trying to be be aware and be better allies. But yeah, with regards to Stonewall, a black trans woman is, is the one who really was the proliferation of of us getting our start to our, our equality and our rights. You know, uh, Marsha Johnson, I mean, she... She she was a pioneer for her time, as were the many who fought alongside her, and I I applaud that, and I have what rights I have right now because of all of them. So, you know, I, I'm really hoping that we can all collectively come together as people to try to help right the wrongs that have been done of our ancestors' past, and and be able to start making some some real positive change. I've said this to others. I'll say it to you. I'll say it publicly. I do not understand hate. It takes a lot, man. (laughs) It's wasted energy. I don't get it. And I'll tell you this. I posted on Pinball Profile at the start of Pride Month a logo in which I put the rainbow colors inside the Pinball Profile logo. I appreciate that. Well, I immediately saw a handful of people say so long. I don't want to be associated with that. And to that, I say thank you. I don't want you part of this community either if you can't see the good in everyone. Yeah, I have I in my lifetime have had those kinds of so longs of different things related to things like that. And while Columbus have, for the most part has been a very tolerant city, you know, I, I have had a couple of instances that were not kind. I'd say probably the the most kind of prolific one was when I was I was dating my ex who had two kids um, who were both like toddler boys and you know uh, so, sometimes you know you you happen to get into conversations with pe- random people right and then they're kind of on the other side of the fence with that and but they're willing to ask questions and have a dialogue so then I feel like okay it's it's my place to to step in here and and represent my people kind of thing and um, you know we had a an okay discussion the one night. It, but it was Halloween, and I was in a dress, and I was in heels. I was uh, a vampire victim for my friend who was a, a military paratrooper at the time. And then the next night, I was back, and in totally different garb of, like, more of, like, a tie and a dress shirt kind of thing. And um, same guy came up to me, started the same kind of conversation. I thought it was going to be fine, and he eventually told me that I was a pedophile to my face because I was trying to help raise two boys into into decent human beings at the time. And uh, I, w- I was floored. I was floored. I was absolutely crushed. I went home and cried the entire night. Like, it was, it was just, I was so angry. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. You know, I think, I think every, I would be surprised to hear if any gay person didn't go through something like that. You know, but we, we got to be better. We do. And it doesn't matter where you come from. I'm a white, male, heterosexual man mm-hmm. that wants to learn about everyone. And I think that's what we need to do and understand the struggles and plights. And why is equality such a hard thing to grasp? Makes perfect sense. Why shouldn't that be for everyone? I don't know, man. I ask myself that question a heck of a lot more often than I feel I should, but you know. Well, in June, I mean, thank God the Supreme Court ruling was what it was, but that's scary that it even went there. Yep. Yeah, in Columbus, uh, you know, in Columbus City proper, we did not have. I, I want to say that we had some some city-based uh, ordinance of protection, but you know, like when I had previously worked in Westerville, I had no, I had no protection 
at all. But then again, you've got at will things and all other stuff that they can kind of employers can kind of pick and choose from if they want. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's good to have that that protection status. So, you know, because unfortunately, there are still people who don't understand. And, you know, sometimes that causes issues. So I work in radio and one of the many stations that I work for is talk radio. And some of the topics came up. So I remember years ago, you know, the issue of. Should a gay couple be allowed to adopt? And I didn't even have to hear the pros and cons of either side to realize, wait a second here. Why should a kid who's at an orphanage not have a chance to have two loving parents? Put up your hand if you think that's wrong. I don't get that. I would love to have two loving parents. We all would love to have two loving parents. Why deny that? Well, I'm very lucky enough to say that that I do have two loving parents. So... You know, I know that there's several members of my community who cannot say that or say they have any family for that matter. But, you know, I myself am not not somebody who's necessarily into into having kids on my own. But, yeah, I mean, if there's people out there to try to try to give give kids a better life than being passed around from place to place. And I think any I think everybody deserves a stable home here. Here. I agree. You talked about some of the issues that you've had there in Ohio. Let me just tell you, in talking with people all around the world and even close to where I live in Hamilton, Ontario, there were some people that had done some of these protests you talked about at the local city hall. Easily white supremacists. It's everywhere. And I know nearby where you live, you can see some of that activity as well. Yeah. Columbus, uh, we definitely have some some known white supremacy groups around town. I know that there's a group in Worthington. Yeah, it, it just makes things difficult. It is everywhere, not just in your area, too. I do want to point that out. I'm sure that Kim or Juana or, you know, Steve Bowden could elaborate on, on those things or Lauren Gray much, much better than I can. But yeah, just from my own neck of the woods, um, people are standing up for equality. Yeah, those people you mentioned, check out the Back Box Pinball Podcast for really one of the best episodes you'll hear anywhere. Yes. And it really does matter, too, for people to hear that if you're in the pinball community to know who are your brothers and sisters. Yeah, I think that whole podcast episode that that Lauren did on diversity was outstanding. I, I really appreciated what Juana had to say and what Steve had to say, you know, and, and I think it's important that we turn to them to to listen and, you know, also to understand that while they're our friends, right, like we also have to understand that there's a responsibility that, that we must take for ourselves to educate ourselves on, on what what we have not learned, right, and, and how we can do better, right? Like we always want to talk about this aspect in pinball, right? The, the whole joking phrase of, of play better, right? Well, it's this is the, this is the game of life and, and we have to play better. Good point. I agree. You know? And speaking of playing, especially with everything going on in the world, you know, for me, pinball is a great escape. You know, we work hard. We deal with what we have to financially, with family, with health. But when you get to pinball, whether it's a competition, whether it's a league or just behind a machine, even for that brief moment, it seems to go away, or at least I hope it does. And it brings such great enjoyment. And the nice thing about where you live, they have huge, huge leagues. I know you're a part of a few of them. Kim Martinez runs level one on Mondays. That's a great league. 70 plus people. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got a 
we've got a herd in there every every <laughs> Monday, and I miss going in there because it it's literally like a little honeybee nest. Like you get in there, and it's like everybody's like family, and you you know you're all kind of buzzing around, talking to this person, that person, saying hi to this person, getting your drink, like getting warmed up, and the energy's real good, and everybody's everybody's really there to try to play their best each time and and show up and show out and i think that's i think that's awesome i'm assuming that you guys have pretty i've heard that you guys have had pretty big leagues up in uh canada too i know particularly toronto right toronto's the topl topple toronto ontario pinball league has been running for years and years and years and uh 20 plus years uh one of the biggest leagues in ontario is what got me into pinball the london ontario pinball league and we've had as many as, I don't know, 80 plus members at one time, which is, is pretty good. In fact, these are all at people's homes, not at locations. So you have to split them up in shifts. Oh, my. Yeah. So we're obviously <laughs> a ways from that happening again. But I mean, Columbus has really got some great pinball players and the leagues too. Of course, there's a Bells and Chimes chapter. That's run by Jen Ruper, Rhonda Wamsley, and Tish Edwards. Yeah. I mean, Tish... Tish is everything. Tish is like my pinball fairy godmother. <laughs> she started our our women's league a long time ago. Like this was like way before the whole bells and chimes thing got spun up around the country. So like Tish had Tish had just started a a, a women's like Wednesday night league and we just all started getting together playing and some people have kind of come and gone in between that time, but We've also had a lot of people who have stayed over the years, and so now we've got like this super awesome girl gang. I want to think of it as like kind of like a Golden Girls gang on, you know, <laughs> steroids. But um, it's just like cool chicks with good beer and good times, good conversations. So and and killer pinball playing. So and with Tish, some amazing pinball dancing, like nobody else. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like Tish and Jen have like very similar like play styles if you watch them play like they're both like very kind of physical players and uh ronda wamsley also helps run our league too and uh me and ronda will just sit there and, and look at the other two and be like i i don't know what they're doing but we're just gonna sit over here and laugh and enjoy it you know so um it's it's a fun bunch for sure it's got to be nice for you and your other league members to see what jen's been doing on youtube yeah i mean you know i was able to be on her i think i was like the second second episode right so she's been out doing her thing and, and talking to all kinds of women from around pinball i think even i don't think it's just necessarily only women but yeah she's had a lot of cool episodes on her on her podcast and uh i know that recently uh it wasn't too long ago she actually you know was doing i don't think this actually ended up becoming like a video of her podcast or, or per se but she i think it was like more like a facebook live if i remember where she was ended up doing like she had rented a, a maiden, and so she was, like, showing how to do some of the maintenance and stuff on it, and I, I really need to get, like, a, a maintenance crash course uh, 101 for dummies. So my <laughs> next thing on my to-do list. Well, check out No Coin Drop Required from uh, Jen, and you'll see some uh, great guests and some, some good conversations as well, too. By the way, how is your cat, BB doing? She's good. Um, she's, you know, ignoring me right now, but... No, I mean she's she's been fine. Thank you for asking. Um yeah, my my cat likes to do these things like every couple years where she's just like, I need to spend a bunch of money and I was like, Girl, <laughs> girl, no, no. You know, of course it's like I I was like, Oh, things are things are going pretty good. I'm gonna sit here and buy myself a little gift to some AirPod pros. Uh so I'm like I can go out and work 
you know, other places and, and still be able to do conference calls. So I'm like, of course I buy that. And then the one day I just kind of noticed, I'm like, she still had food in her bowl and she like, she's like a vacuum. Like she like will suck food up so fast sometimes, like it'll just come right back up. She's just, she's just one of those cats. She just gets so excited about food. And the one day she just like still had food in her bowl. And then like I trying to make some lunch and I, I was trying to make some tuna salad and which was kind of strange because I've been, I kind of switched my diet. I've been about like 80% vegan the last like probably two months. So I'm sitting here trying to make a tuna salad. And of course, as soon as you open the can for anything, normally she'd be like right there, no interest. And then by like, t- like Tuesday night, she was just real lethargic and long story short, three days and $2,500 in ICU and you know, found out that she had a gallbladder infection. And so now we're on antibiotics and we're happy and we're scarfing down food again. So <laughs> right back where we started, full circle. How dare you buy those iBuds? I know. Well, I, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I need to be that <laughs> person, right? Like I work in the, the digital user experience space and Previously, I was helping a team with mobile app development as far as like from a creative user experience standpoint. And, you know, everybody had some kind of like tech watch, whether it was Apple Watch or a Fitbit or something. And I'm just like, why why do I feel this unnecessary pressure to get this watch that I don't need? And so I, n- I never got into that. So then I was like, well, at least with the headphones, if I decide to go run, or like I said, you know, primarily for work, if I'm, you know, we have like a, a common space down in my apartment complex that I can go to and, you know, the noise canceling is, is very effective for that. So I got, I got suckered in. I, I'm, a, I'm a Mac person. I can't help it. So what's it like in Ohio as far as things opening up and getting back to places like level one? Um, things are opening. Things are still a bit slow. Um, I think people are, are taking their, uh, their precautionary measures. Restaurants seem to be open. Um, they're, they're starting to, I know Sideswipe, uh, our one brewery that's, uh, with Arcade Super Awesome. I know that they just posted that they're going back to their regular business hours, which will be great. So, uh, I'm not sure when Arcade Super Awesome is going to open. So leave that as a, as a to be determined, but I know level one is open and, uh, J and D's is open. So I've been to both of those places for pinball couple times. It's been really weird because like the first time I played it, it just in so long, it really felt foreign. Like I almost felt like I had somebody else's hands and it's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> How was it from a safety standpoint? I mean, there, there's been nobody in there, you know? And so for at least with level one in particular, we had, um, they had at one point, uh, at least every other machine turned off. So that way you were distanced. And I know that the next time I went in there, like the ones that were on before were off. And so they kind of like were, were alternating things. So they're still spaced out. And then when they've got, they've got a few pinball games on the other side. So there, there's like a set of four that's kind of split off from the main group. But really, I, I mean, there was maybe like a total, I mean, this place is like a pretty decent size and there was maybe like seven people in there, but like, I was the only one playing pinball for most of the time. So I had all the games to myself for the most part. That's one positive, I guess. But I liked hearing that they were kind of every other game off and just kind of, you know, making sure that they were aware of it. I'm sure they were doing some great cleaning and sterilizing. So that's what these places need to do right now. And I'm sure they're doing it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be seeing you sometime in Ohio, whether it's an event like Cleepin or just uh, it's a short drive for me. And it's a place I certainly enjoy. And I got to get to Columbus. 
I would love to have you come down here and check our spaces out. Obviously, you know, it it'd be nice, you know, if you could you could see it in in full swing whenever we get back to that that sense of uh that level of play again. But yeah, like level one's done a great job. They uh they've had all their kind of tables spread out like they suggest, you know, if you're not playing in a machine to be seated and they've got kind of cards on the table of which You know, if the cards are green, that means that, you know, it's been cleaned and it's ready for somebody to sit down. And if if it's not, the card is flipped up red. And so you're supposed to go to another table until they clean that one. And they're all super on the ball with everything. So it's uh, it's been a good first experience. Very comforting. That's good. Good to hear. <laughs> Holly, I appreciate talking to you once again. I look forward to seeing you soon. Look forward to talking to you again and seeing you at hopefully another tournament in the maybe in the future. Only if you go easy on me. All right. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> if Spanish Eyes is there, uh, forget it. I'm just going to participate and watch. <laughs> that's, that's a fair statement. You can crack me up, Jeff. That's funny. All the best, Holly. All right. Thank you, Jeff. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at pinballprofile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolis. Hey.